Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings, and 10 years ago, I gave up my live streaming career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician, Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. On this episode, I am joined by another incredible talent, and I can't quite believe I'm saying this either. Drummer, singer-songwriter, Paul Weller bandmate since 2008, Steve Pilgrim is my very special guest. We'll hear all about his outstanding new album, Beautiful Blue, produced by Paul Weller, how he joined the lineup of the Weller band 14 years ago, stepping into the shoes or sticks, I suppose, of Steve White, the highlights, the band members, life on the road, set lists, creating music, and much, much more. Let's get into it. Steve Pilgrim, thanks for joining me. Hey, boss. That's an absolute pleasure. Just off the road, right, with the Weller band? Yeah, just falling off the tour bus at the end of the summer run. So, But it was wonderful. We finished at Swansea, and it was just great being out again and playing to crowds outdoors. And the fans seemed to be digging it. People were happy and dancing around, and the the, gear, the response online was good. People were very positive about the shows. So Every gig yeah. seemed to be sunny as well, I don't think, wasn't it? Do you have yeah, any rain? taking the sunshine with us everywhere we went. I don't know what that was, British weather. I don't know what that was about, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. We were lucky. I think we had one thing off uh, off the coast of Cornwall where it was throwing it down just before we were due on stage. And it was a bit touch and go whether the whole gig would actually go ahead because they were like wiping down the guitar pedals. You know, the text. Oh, my God. What would, have, what would Craddock have done then? Christ. Was, well, yeah, well, he just would have plugged into his amp is what he would have done. But, but yeah, it was like minutes to go. And it was like this whole thing might need to get pulled. But actually, then within minutes, the sun was out and there was no more rain. And, wow. and then we had a glorious show. So I don't, the sun has definitely shone on us this British summer. 
Well, it was lovely. We'll talk more about that as we go in. But look, hey, this is such an exciting time for you. Um, and just before recording, you were saying how it's like the busiest two days. The past couple of days has been the busiest two days ever because by the time of release of this podcast, we are just days away from the release of your new solo album, your sixth solo album, Beautiful Blue, released on Friday the 2nd of September 2022. And I've had a preview listen and my goodness me, this is, I mean, it's absolutely stunning, Steve Pilgrim. Oh, thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm really, really proud of it. And, there's been so many fantastic people involved with the project. Obviously, Paul been heavily involved and, and, you know, having Hannah Peel doing the strings, Rachel Jean Harris providing her vocal genius to it. And, you know, just all the musicians and all the different people that have contributed in small ways. It's like, it's been a long process. This one, the long, it's the longest time I've ever spent making a record and it's just been one piece at a time. It's come together, but I'm really, really pleased that I've waited and, and uh, made it as good as possible. You know, it feels like the biggest opportunity I've had really, um, mm. having Paul produce. And, uh, so it's a really, really big deal for me and I, I wanted it to be right. And I feel like I've I've got it to a place where it is it is as good as it can be for me you know so I'm, I'm really really pleased you know yeah well you should be man it's stunning but um, let's talk about this text from mr weller so let's kick off with this so there's this text yeah. that comes through and from all the conversations i've had on the podcast it seems to me that paul loves texting in the middle of the night so i don't know if this is a middle of the night text but uh, stevie i've got this idea i thought might be good for you pick up the story yeah. tell us more yeah, yeah. Well, that, it would have been 2019, probably. Um, I think I'd said to him previously, at, like in rehearsals or at down at the, down on a session or something. Oh, I'm working on this thing, but I'm just I'm just struggling with the last few songs. Or I wasn't when I said this to him at the time. I wasn't implying to him, oh, you know, would you write or would you, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just telling him. I think where I was at with with the process of finishing the record, and and then yeah, I got this message off him in the middle of the night, just saying, oh, and it was just um, a voice note. He, I, he often works like that with a lot of people. It seems he'll send demos on, you know, on that he re records uh, quietly in the early hours of the morning, and then sends these little sketches, piano melody or whatever. So they were kind of. Uh, it was just like a little. Uh, doodle like a vocal and acoustic thing I think and uh, I guess he just thought oh this is in keeping with st what Steve does he might be able to use it you know and, and it sort of grew from there really and then we got talking and I asked him about wh whether he'd be involved with the record more broadly and he was keen and yeah it all sort of grew from that really and then we recorded the record in like two a matter of days you know in in the lockdown year right he, I mean he's a quick worker right so when he, he's, he's fast yeah. at this stuff yeah yeah, he's very fast and I like to work fast as well. So it's kind of, it was great. It was just a case of we, we went down myself. Paul and Charles for the initial two day session and we came away after 48 hours with the bulk of the record really uh, just from acoustic and piano and Paul playing electric bass, electric guitar. And then beyond that, it was like, okay, we need to book in another session for some more songs, some overdubs. And then there was a strings overdub session. I think it was six days were spent actually recording the record in total um, from start to finish. But the bulk of the album happened in those first 48 hours. Wow. So yeah, it, it works. It's like Beatles pace, <laughs> Beatles speed of, yeah. of recording. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a similar conversation I had with Declan where Declan O'Rourke, where Paul produced that album and a similar thing where this magic just seems to happen when people collide with Paul. And you obviously have a great connection of being part of his band, but the two of you together took this album in a different direction as well, I understand. Yeah. Well, for me, it was, uh, yeah, melodically. And, uh, you know, I mean, I try to be adventurous with chords and stuff but, and, and progressions and things but I mean Paul's a master at it in terms of the way he'll put chords together and 
he's always looking forwards, but he's always he's always looking sideways. There's that mod thing of him always looking forwards. Mm. But really, I think his greatest skill is he's always trying to figure out how to fuck things up a bit, you know, so that it, it makes it interesting. And, you know, how can we make this interesting at this point in the song or this point in the verse, you know, this point in this bar? It's mm. like, what, what can we do at this point to, to take it somewhere interesting? It might be a chord change or a rhythmic change or whatever. And so uh, stuff like that, that I, although I've tr- I can do that a little bit, Maybe I can't do it the way he does it. So he definitely, he definitely helped me step sideways with the songs melodically in terms of chord structures and stuff like that. You know, and I, and I was more heavily involved with melody, lyrics, those kinds of things. So the initial sketches were coming really from, for the songs that we worked on collaboratively, the initial sketches were often very simple chords and the start of melodies. And then that was, I would take that as the source. And then from that, I could. I, I could build add additional sections and a lot of them were started as just verses and then I'd write a chorus out of that. Yeah, it was really, really, really easy actually because uh, I've co-written with a few people but it's really straightforward. The other thing with the album, it seems, I mean, we're living in pretty bleak times right now and, and getting worse by the day, it would seem. I mean, there's a point where you kind of don't feel that you can watch the news anymore because it's so overwhelming, right? But this feels like such a positive album, full of yeah, full of love, full of hope. It's a sunny album. It you know, it brightens the mood. Absolutely, yeah. I think a lot of artists sort of exist in that area of like trying to explore the struggles of being, you know, being human, like coming to terms with being human in the world that we live in, and then trying to draw out humility and hope and and uh you know compassion and those those things a lot of you know a, a lot of artists do that and this is in that vein i guess it's although uh there's stuff about uh, a lot of stuff on the record about hard things and and dark things mm. and uh, difficult things but yeah there's always i think there's as with a lot of art there's always that sort of line of hope it's an attempt to sort of strike out to reach for something that's positive and is for the greater good and all of that that kind of nonsense <laughs> well let's talk about, let's talk about some of these tracks man because um some of these songs because i mean the album kicks off with this absolute stunner called new sky which is oh, yeah. g- genuinely one of the best album openers i've heard i can think of an oh, album wow. for ages i mean i love catherine williams new album there's a track called human that kicks that off and declan o'rourke we talked yes. about like in painter's lights but my yep. god when i first played this album i played that track and then i i went back immediately to the beginning of the album again and that's, oh, that's well how long has that song i've been around i can't remember i have no idea i don't i don't know where that song that's one of the few songs i don't know where that started or even when i wrote it or um it must have been around the same period, but I, I think, oh, I tell you what, actually, I do know when it was. I remembered it was at the start of the first lockdown. We were doing that, you know, that period where we were allowed out the house for one hour. <laughs> yeah. And, I love um, that time. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, the introverts were really happy. And, <laughs> yeah. Like, but, Didn't have um, to see anybody at all. It was great. <laughs> yeah. 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 We were going out as a family and stuff and it was just the sunshine and the, it was a blue sky. And I think a lot of the weather was really good to us in that first lockdown, wasn't it? And, yeah. and I remember, uh, and it was just this kind of, this line, new sky, it was just a, a two words, new sky, and this idea that there's a lot to be thankful for. It's about, gra- basically about gratitude and the, the wider universe. And that period in, lo- in that first lockdown when we were all sort of looking at the leaves and the trees and the way they were glistening in the sunlight and we were, everybody was getting into that sort of appreciating nature and taking yeah. stock. 
So it was a, it was that I think it was a, um I don't remember how the melody came about or when I finished the song or how quickly I can't remember about anything about that but I know I know that was the seed of the idea anyway. Paul plays on it so he's on keys he's on piano. And you mentioned Rachel we should talk about Rachel Jean Harris because her vocals uh, throughout the album and I mean my goodness me what a talent she is as well. You've been working she, with her for quite a while, right? I've been working with Rachel over 20 years right. on projects. We started out together when we were teenagers, basically. I played drums for her, played bits on her records. I made an album with her a few years ago called Dig. That's probably 10 years ago now. She's an astounding talent and artist and sort of next level. Talk about melody and uh, chord progressions and just astounding uh, vocalist and, and musician. And yeah, she, she just, it's dead easy. She, it's like, um, she comes down to the studio and we play the track and go, got any ideas, Rachel? And it's a certain she'll just produce something. She laid up vocals, you know, in a matter of minutes. And yeah, she's just a real special talent. So it's always an honor to work with her. And I'm just pleased she still chooses to join me on stage when I do gigs now and again. You know, it's an absolute honor because she's a, she is great. She's yeah, she's um, she's really good. I, mean, I have to say, I love the way that her, her own songs kind of. She's she's really good at telling stories through music as well. Definitely somebody that people should kind of check out. I'll share some details in the show notes. As yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah, she's always let's, putting new things out. Let's talk about Lifeboat because this is the new single. Paul on bass, piano, well, it's uh, but we also have, and I don't know if they still refer to themselves as this, but I'm going to call them the Demon Strings and Hannah Pill string arrangements. But we've got Antonia, Stella, Katono, and Katie various strings on this, and I must get them on the podcast because they seem like they, I mean they've done a lot of stuff with Paul I don't know if Demon Strings is still a thing but that's the collective that I call them so I know they're yeah. part of that but they lend something beautiful to that song but tell me about Lifeboat and how that came about they do Lifeboat was uh, just a straight up love song really it's about that special person or uh, the, the person that gets you through the darker periods or the harder periods or the harder times. Um, and for me, that's my wife, Laura. And just, it was just a sort of a, a, a thank you, a gratitude a song, really, of saying thanks for putting up with all my crap. And <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm being, you know, at a, a, a terrible ebb and struggling to uh, function, that you can pull me out of that. And, and you, you uh, encourage me and all of those things and basically just get me through being miserable. It's a song about that, really. There's this line about, um, is it pull me back from the black, isn't it? Or pull yeah, me, pull me back out of the black, which is those. Yeah. And I think I was talking to somebody else on the podcast about this, where there's this kind of expectation that our musicians, our singer songwriters, our people who are talented in this space and give us songs, you know, uh, that aren't like human beings. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, they, they don't experience the same things as us. And obviously that's complete nonsense, right? You'll go through the same mental anxiousness, problems in life that we all do, right? So, but you can reflect that through your music and tell those stories in that way. Yeah. That's definitely true. I, I mean, speaking personally, I've, I've struggled with anxiety uh, for more than 10 years now. I started having panic attacks about 12 years ago. And uh, my anxiety, I've through various therapies, I've managed. I've figured out how to manage it and cope with it. And so my my mental health issues, if they're, although I wouldn't say they're clinical, maybe they're minor. Like a lot of people have mental health issues, they manifest themselves mainly as anxiety more than any kind of depression. But there's definitely a kind of there's definitely low low mood in there and and negative thinking and you know negative thought processes. So yeah, that's all in there as well. Um, and, and writing songs and writing lyrics and writing about the nature of being a human being is, mm. is a way to is a way to work through that. And actually, the, the whole process of being a songwriter for me is 
just incredibly cathartic. I think I just do it if I wasn't making music for other people or if I wasn't making music to release, I'm pretty sure I'd just be writing songs anyway, just to I'd play in my living room. Yeah, that outlet. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just as an outlet. Yeah. There's so many people listening to this podcast and obviously knowing of you will have discovered you and your music via Paul and joining the band. And I think it was it 2008 because it would have been 22 Dreams around that time, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 Start, I think it was May. May 2008 was the first show, I think, with him. Yeah, which is 14 years ago now, my friend. I mean, yeah. Yeah, what the hell? I I mean, that's, that's longer than the Jam and the Star Council had record deals. Yeah. It's a long time, isn't it? We were thinking about putting a board up at the barn, you know, with like a record. Because obviously, I think Chopper's the longest serving member yeah. now with Paul. I think Steve White was longest serving member for Paul for a long time. But I think Steve Craddock has knocked him off that top slot. In <laughs> like a leaderboard of how long? Yeah, in terms of leaderboard of how many years you've lasted in the band. <laughs> um, but yeah, 14 years is a long time. It's been one heck of a ride from the start to the finish. You know, it's been a phenomenal time to tour the world and go around the globe. You know, eight times I've been around the globe with him and it's just been a real trip. Just a million blessings and all of those Instagram cliches. You know? <laughs> so how did you first hook up? Was it, it was by a, one of your old bands? Was it the stands? Was that the first connection when you supported uh, him? Yeah, that's right. We, we, we got, um, I was in a band called the stands in 2000, 2003 kind of time i just left university and i joined the group and we got our big break because our demo landed on no gallagher's desk somehow so the big break for the stands was was through no gallagher and no no calders and we did some shows in liverpool at the uh, the royal court we played and then he said to us what are you doing next wednesday and they were playing you know manchester evening news arena and so we our our break was that it was via noel that I think Paul became aware of the stands and then Paul invited the stands to play some support shows with him. We played some support shows at the Royal Albert Hall, I think, with Paul. I think it was off the back of that. I remember Steve Craddock and Paul standing at the side of the stage and watching our sets when we played. And I think that was the first time Paul saw me or became aware of me as a player. But I was young, you know, I was 23 or something. And then several, several years later, you know, Many years later, I got this phone call from, uh, I think it was Stan Kyber at the time, going, oh, uh, Paul Weller's looking for a, a kit player for something. Um, you know, you're around. You know, it's like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> a month later, I got a call or whatever it was, and it was Paul on the other end of the phone, an unknown number. I'd just landed in the south of France with my wife on a holiday. It was the first holiday we'd had abroad. And, uh, since we've been married and Paul was like, Oh, I've got this thing happening. And, you know, can you, can you make it down like next week? And I, I, and I just said, I'm really sorry, Paul. I've just landed. I don't say I can get back, you know, and he's like, Oh, no, 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 no problem. No problem at all. Beep. You know, phone, phone went <laughs> I didn't hear from him for another 12 months. Oh, man. Yeah. That was, the, was 12, 12 months later. I got, so I get, I think, I don't know. This is me speculating, but I think it was about some kind of session, maybe about 22 Dreams time or when that was being recorded. That's my guess is that it was that, it was that, yeah. but I didn't play on that record. And then when the promotional schedule was starting for 22 dreams that's when i got the phone call from paul again and i was in liverpool in town and just got this i just couldn't believe it you know and um, can you come down to blackburn and, and uh, have a jam on some stuff so yeah 
Now, was the drums your first instrument of choice then? Because obviously of your solo stuff, we know you've a singer-songwriter, the guitar, but as a drummer, was that something you were doing as a young kid then? Yeah, I was I, I was four or five when that started, real young, and I didn't really pick up an acoustic guitar, so I was 18. So so yeah, drums was always my first instrument. It was what I played with with friends at school and school bands and those kinds of things and you know, just doing covers and that's how I got into it. So yeah, I'd been a drummer. I didn't really write songs till I was in my mid-twenties, start writing till I was in my mid-twenties. So it was, at, yeah, it was after the fact I'd already been touring as a drummer before I started writing my own stuff. Now, when I have to say, at this point when you joined the band Andy Lewis and I talked about this it talks about him stepping into Damon Minchella's shoes right into the band and, and also actually lots of bass players for Paul over the years you have like you know from Bruce Fox and Camille Hines to Yolanda Charles many others whereas Weller fans only really knew at that point two drummers Rick Buckler Steve White I mean no pressure <laughs> yeah no pressure at all it was terrifying and it still is to a point because I mean that I don't think I'm a bad drummer. I think I'm a pretty good kit player. I mean, in all honesty, if you look back at the footage of the Paul Weller band in the mid-90s and the live footage around that time, they were just on fire. I don't think in terms of live playing, I've ever come close to, to Steve White in that way. But what I think I, I bring to the party as a musician more broadly is that I can sing. I, I bring melody to the party. I bring other musical ideas. And I like to feel I try and play for the song wherever I can. And I try to serve the song as best possible wherever I can. There's, I think I've got strengths, you know, in other areas that sort of make up for the fact that I'm not a wild, you know, <laughs> technician or, you know, I can't play like a lot of players can play, but I still bring a lot to the party I hope and, and pe- people broadly have been very warm there were, I remember early on when I joined there were quite, I was quite a lot of heckling you know about Whitey and stuff coming to the stage and, and it directed at me so there were definitely some voices that weren't happy about the shift and there are some voices that still aren't happy about the shift that would still have Steve White come back today but there's also been a lot of people who are just really happy with the current lineup and just mm. say it's the best band Paul's ever had. And uh, as a unit, we work like a machine. And I'm really proud with how we work as a band and how we all sit in each other's pockets and fill the spaces and allow spaces for others. And I really do think we play as a, we play great as a band. So. So, yeah, I'm chuffed that we're, I'm still part of it, you know? Yeah. Well, I love watching the two of you, you and Ben, because yeah. now there are two there are two kits on stage and Ben's doing some percussion stuff as well. But when you're both on the drums and it's like, it's a really amazing sound, but it's also incredible to watch the two of you as well. Because yeah. Ben's like strutting away like his bears from the Happy Mondays. He's just digging the groove. <laughs> your facial expressions when you're drumming, I don't know if you know this, but it's brilliant watching you because some of it, you're, you're loving every second of it. And then other bits, it looks like you're in absolute agony. Yeah, well, there's definitely... Yeah, that can be true. Depends how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How much have I had to drink the night before? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's def- it's all in there in, in fun and enjoyment and and uh, yes, a little bit of strain in there sometimes if, if things are, yeah, if it's a hard gig or whatever. But every gig's, every gig's a bit different and... Yeah, well, I love the way also like these live shows are uh, all very different. We had, I mean, if you think like Sonic Kicks live at the Roundhouse, playing the whole album from front to finish, for instance, then we had, you know, the acoustic stuff at the um, the Royal Festival Hall. You're constantly as a band, like, and this is, you know, Paul's leading this, I guess, as band leader, but you're always wanting to challenge yourselves and to try and find different things and different ways of presenting the music, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And we're all up for the challenge as well. I think, you know, all of the band members are kind of, if Paul says, oh, I've had this idea to do this, it's like, right, okay, let's start making notes. And we're all keen to make the, the picture as as perfect and as beautiful as possible yeah i mean there's been some real special moments over the years like those those shows you talked about that though that sonic kicks run of shows that was a huge challenge to to play that that record start to finish and and the festival hall thing around sticking to bar structures with the string players and the orchestra and all of that that was a challenge beyond anything i'd ever done before so yeah it's 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 been it's been a journey and hopefully we've made some really special moments in that in those processes you know absolutely are there songs as a drummer that stand out for you where you kind of go yeah this is you know out of the catalogue but you as a drummer you're kind of wanting to get on the set list yeah I really should have thought about this before you before <laughs> that's alright <laughs> I can uh, ask you something else so you can think uh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think that, I mean I used to enjoy having a go at picking up sticks and things like that back oh, in yeah. the day early on and there's other sort of the more uh, improvisational songs and where there's instrumental sections are all are, are more fun as play you know into tomorrow and having that drum section is always a fun moment for me every gig because it's like oh it's coming and what's going to happen and there's no <laughs> there's no way of knowing really you, you've got some ideas about what you're going to do but someone could do something totally different and it'll go in a different direction and they're they're real highlights for me actually when you don't know what's going to happen yeah but beyond that i could list my favorite songs but i think yeah they're the moments that that excite me the most. Yolanda Charles talks about this sixth sense that you develop as musicians the more you play together. And obviously, you know, 14 years, a long time, you, you get really tired as a band. You can hear that and you can see that. Do you feel that? Is it almost telepathic when when it, when it you don't know where something's going to go, that you know where to bring it back? I can't really understand it, how it happens, but because it, it's um, the speed at which something can change and you intuit, you do it. It is like a sixth sense almost, almost you intuitively pick up on where it's going. It, I think it can be down to things as simple as body language and stuff like the way that Paul might be standing or, or Steve Craddock might be standing as they, as they move into the next bar. Okay. You kind of fit, almost unconsciously pick up on those little things that you know, um, you know where it's going, but also the idea that that you're sort of playing this when you're playing a track, you're playing something that's in the space rather than coming from you. You're kind of you're playing to this thing that's not inside any one of you, but to this 
one entity, this right. one thing that's in the space or that's in the air. And you're just kind of trying to hold on to that in a way. And there are times when you come off stage and you kind of go, my God, that was an incredible gig. That was, We were on fire. That was amazing. Yeah, there are moments like that. It's, it's really hard to put your finger on why or when. And a lot of it's to do with audience response and, and the sound and people's energy levels and chants. And there's all these sort of factors, but there's just occasions where we've been playing well as a band together and then it just suddenly clicks or it goes off on another level and things do flow seamlessly and people push into certain areas and people allow space for it in all the right spots. Mm. And it's kind of, it becomes this sort of seamless, undulating machine. There's one song which always delights every audience um, from Weller Solo period, and that's Wildwood, which is now, what, 30 years old. And this is always a nice one for you as well, because at times you step out of the kit, you said, you know, you're all on stalls. You, you're singing like almost duetting the most recent one where I've seen you and Paul doing that, that, that song. Is that, that's a special song for you as well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was playing, I was covering that song when I was 19 in bars, you know, for me, it's surreal to be sitting, singing harmony lines or, you know, I take a verse on it and yeah, mad and also boss and beautiful. And if there's anything else Paul doesn't fancy singing, I'll have a, I'll have a, <laughs> I'll have a crack. Yeah. <laughs> we have to talk on Sunset and Fat Pop because, I mean, Fat Pop, there was a lot of you on that album. And I mean, I'd love to know how Paul comes up with a set list, right? Because is this as a team? Is it led by Paul? Because we had the recent gigs and you've got songs like you play drums on Cobweb Connections. You, you sang backing vocals on Testify with Andy Fairweather Low. I think there were Congas backing vocals and hand claps. Magic Mod obviously wasn't around for his hand claps for that one, but on moving, <laughs> on moving canvas. And then we've got, you know, piano, electric guitars on in better times and still guys, guys the stream. And none of those songs were in the most recent set list. And you're like, are you mad? These are brilliant, brilliant songs. But- oh, yeah, I suppose. I'd not really thought about that. But it must be impossible yeah. to do. I think Fat Pop was there on, wasn't he? He started doing that. Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it, well, there's just too many songs, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, he's written. I, I'd start, I've started to. If I, actually, this is a call out for help. If anybody's got a list of the songs that Paul has written on all of his records from the Jam's first record, right through to Fat Pop. I quite like an exclusive list in a, ideally in an Excel sheet, if possible. <laughs> we can make that happen, Steve. We'll um, so if anybody's that. got that on file He's trying to work out how many he's written. Well, basically, yeah, because it's, I mean, sometimes it's 12, 13 songs a track and it's however many, I mean, do the math, it's, it's like 400 songs or yeah. 500 songs or something yeah. mental. Yeah. You add in B-sides, it's, it's hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of, of songs. And, there are so many great ones and ones that haven't even been put out yeah. that are great. It, it's endless and always surprising. When you're rehearsing, you like pitching in going, oh, what about this one? What about this? Come on, let's play yeah, this we one all again. Start, and most of the time it's, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> we, we often start, what normally happens is we, we start with a list of 50 songs, mainly Paul's throwing in ideas, the band throwing ideas as well sometimes. And we've got a long, long list of stuff and we work through stuff. And then, we're, and then a few things might make, a few new things or new old things might make the set list, you know? We end up going back to the same songs. We've been playing a lot of the same songs for 15 years. You know, we should change it up, really. But there's songs yeah. that people would crucify you for, though, if you didn't play. Like you do well, something to me and things like that, right? Absolutely, yeah. And there's that those songs. Um, you know, even into tomorrow, I think 
you couldn't remove from the set. So yeah, there's, there, there are tracks that wouldn't couldn't go anywhere or wouldn't go anywhere. And, you know, there's the big ones like Malice. People love hearing those songs, you know. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear more variety in there. Uh, it's just it's just a question of having to sacrifice other songs to fit them in. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, there's a track I wanted to ask you about on your new album, Beautiful Blue, because it seems a bit to me, like Paul Weller talks about True Meanings, the album, and he talks about um, the song Gravity, which he had for so long, but he couldn't really find a home for it and then ended up building True Meanings around it. Beautiful Blue was a track that came out as a single, what, 2018, I think. Is that Was that a similar thing where you, you, you had this track, but you didn't really have a home for you to build an album around that, that song? Yeah, it was. It was a song about the value of the breaking points in our lives where, you know, or, or the value of the darkest things like upset and sort of trying to say that these difficult things and, and, and pain and upset, and although they're hard and unpleasant, they're part of a process sometimes and that they're a good thing in, in a counterintuitive way. So it was a song that's exploring that really. and then. I started to write other songs that were around the same theme around mental health and coming to terms with being a responsible adult and in the global chaos that we're all in. And yeah, it, it sort of, it, it felt like I needed to stay within that theme. It felt like I needed to write songs that were within that rather than writing about other subjects or politics or the other areas that you could, I could have pushed into. Um, and that was where the challenge really came for the record because I, had, I was seven or eight songs in, and that was when I got the I got that message from Paul going, "Yeah, well, you know, what about this?" And that really helped me get over the line with the project because I did have to build it around those themes. You know, that was that was the challenge. So let's in terms of beautiful blue, let's also talk about um, some of the other players from Paul Weller's band, and obviously these are your mates. So I don't want to kind of embarrass you too much, but Steve Craddock, he plays on the beautiful blue single, but I mean this this doesn't need saying really, but my. God, God, what's the talent, right? Yeah. I remember he sent me the audio for the for the guitar parts for that track. It was before I had strings on. And uh I think at that point it was really stripped back. It was really quite it was early on in the process. And he just played down these beautiful like space melodies. And I don't know how he does it. He's a magician, isn't he? And I was just sat on my sofa at home with the fire on and just I just sobbed. I just absolutely sobbed because it was so beautiful. It was such a he's such a sensitive musician and able to just fit in in whatever way a song needs and take things into an interesting space. And yeah, I, I I mean, it's all a cliche, but so blessed to have him involved. And he's on a couple of the tracks. He he was edited off another track, which he was really, really happy <laughs> about. <laughs> but, but, uh, but he made it. But yeah, he's on, a, he's on a couple of the tracks on the record. It's, it's fantastic that, yeah, it's always fantastic to have him involved with Anderson. He's a, he's a great producer and a great writer and great guy to have on, on board. Let's talk about Tom Heal as well. He's been on the podcast. Um, yeah. br- brushed symbols. I don't yeah. know what they are. What is brushed symbols? Basically, it's symbols that you hit with uh, brushes. I didn't know what to say to that. Um, I had I'd, I'd gone in. He was down at the studio. And I had gone in and put a drum take on that song, on that track. It wasn't quite, it was a bit clunky and it was a bit like, you know, Paul was like, I don't think this is right. And I was like, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit much. And then Paul threw Tom into the studio and it was like, go on, you have a go. And yeah, he just, he just played brushes on the cymbals and it was, it was just what it needed. And it was like, Tom, you've made, cause there's the backstory of that. There's, I don't, I think. I think Tom might have mentioned it to you, but the first time I met Tom was at the studio when he was the T-boy and he was working on that session and I, and he actually played piano on a track on on the, on an album and then that track was cut 
and he didn't make it didn't never came out you're so, real, Pilgrim. So it, you're was, real. It, was, it was a very it was a very long long way to to wait to complete the circle on that but he made a he's made it onto a track on my album <laughs> love it the album is finally out there or we will be we're just a few days away at the time of release this podcast right and it was interesting i was at the i've been at the brighton exhibition for the style council the jam and you're you're kind of struck by these gold and platinum discs things like you know going underground 250,000 copies yeah. sound called malice 500,000 copies this is a very different world in which we operate now in terms of music and music sales and how you i mean how you make a bloody living right as a musician christ yeah it's tricky now because the, the people don't buy hard copies anymore there's a there's a hardcore group of people out there that still buy vinyl and and buy cd even buy cd that although that's really decreasing still quite significantly but yeah vinyl vinyl sales merchandise sales ticket sales to gigs they're the only big incomes now for artists and and so it's it's made it even for artists who are signed to labels and artists who are by all possible metrics, successful um, in what they do and great at what they do, it's really hard to make a living because streaming doesn't give you income. It just doesn't unless you're you're streaming billions. It doesn't bring enough income to you. So yeah, the people out there buying the vinyl, pre-ordering vinyl for things like my record is basically the lifeblood of of musicians' income uh, now. So if anybody can go uh, to plug my gig, if there are still some... Well, I was going to say this. So yeah, so a couple of live shows where you're going to play the album in full that's right there's a sold out show that in liverpool that that was a 250 capacity show that sold out in three minutes but there's still some tickets left for the union chapel show if you can get down to that gig it's a 20 quid ticket and there's going to be strings there's going to be flute players there's going to be singers there's going to be all kinds they've got their uh, bear island band who steve craddock is producing at the moment they're doing support on that show and then paul weller's going to be in my band as well so there's quite a lot it, you're getting quite a lot for your 20 quid so if you're anywhere near london on the, on the first of september then get your tickets now while you can well i'm gonna be there i'll see you there man and look i'll um, i'll share the links for the show notes it's a really special album i can't wait to see it live because that is going to be such a special unique thing as well in, in a beautiful venue it's a dream come true for me if, if i would if you would have said 10 years ago that i'd be doing a headline show in at union chapel with my own record i wouldn't uh, you know it's everything really it's 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 a real real pinnacle moment for me yeah. so yeah. And Paul's just Paul's been such a huge part of making that a vague possibility. So I'm, I'm indebted to him really eternally for that. Really looking forward to it. Two other shout outs quickly. Um, we should mention Hannah Peel. We mentioned her a bit at the start, but mm. obviously. Mm. Yeah, you know, brings so much to this album as well. And Charles Reese, I mean, without Charles engineering, recording and mixing at the Black Barn studio, where would we be, right? So, you know, we should call out the this. Wizard, the Wizard, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Again, yeah, Hannah's Hannah's genius. And she was another contributor of it. It was just a case of saying, oh, I've got these songs. What are your ideas? I mean, I could have sang melodies down the phone to her and given her a bunch of vague ideas about things. But it was, I just, it was like, oh, well, you're a genius. So I'll just let <laughs> do your thing. And she did. And she delivered. Yeah, I'm chuffed with what she contributed. You know, she's incredible. Yeah, she's such a talent. Hey, look, I've got two final questions for you before you go, Mr. Pilgrim. And this has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for coming on. You're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it can be the jam, the star council or solo. What are you going to go with? Yeah, I thought about this a little bit. And there are, there's lots and lots of songs and in some ways, the song I've, I'm thinking about, you could probably say isn't Paul's greatest song, or it definitely wouldn't appear on Paul's greatest song list for the majority of people. But the song I've chosen is Be Happy Children. 
um, which is a track that we played. We play live sometimes, or we did for a while towards the end of the set or as part of the encore, um, you know. Um, and it's a song that every time we play it live, I cry. It, there's something in it. There's something. Um, there's something in it that make that makes me. I'm getting upset even talking about it now. It sounds so bizarre, doesn't it? But um, there's some. There's the, the, it's just all around hope um, and love and hope for your children. And there's something in that that just breaks me every time. And for that reason, that's on my on my desert island weller. Uh, <laughs> you're making me go man I've got tears in my eyes <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's us a... being da- dads and kids and all that business in it now yeah. you know, it's all that <laughs> yeah we need to get off before we embarrass ourselves right final question <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to cry now it's you're, It's a modern man thing to do that's it's, true yeah, yeah. You're allowed we're to... all we're all in touch with our emotions yeah <laughs> <laughs> and look the purpose of this podcast obviously is to talk to lovely people like yourself with connections to Paul part of the bands produced by Paul all that stuff yes 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 but it's yeah. really for me to get the interview with Paul Weller that I never managed during my radio career I mean Steve you've been on the tour bus for the last god knows how long are we getting closer what's happening what closer to what? Closer to Weller. What's going on? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I thought you would. Don't you have it booked in? Is it <laughs> no, no, not oh, yet. Right. I need. I need one of those two AM voice notes from him. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe he's <laughs> playing hard to get. Maybe he's gone off the idea altogether. <laughs> maybe I've no. I really don't know. You know. I one thing I, what, Do you want me to, I can send you a late night text. I can oh, find out. Oh, yeah, go on. That'd be lovely, mate. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tag it on to the end of the podcast. That'd be lovely. So the, um, one thing I noticed at the Brighton exhibition is how many fans used to write to him back in the day, like a written letter, dear mm-hmm. Paul, blah, blah. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do that. That seems to be the way in. Uh, may- maybe, yeah. <laughs> I think if, I think you're fine. Well, look, Steve, if it happens, what should I ask him? Um, I suppose the only thing that I don't understand, I still can't get my head around is what lights the fire. In Paul to drive his creativity. What is it that so that still at his age is so relentless and so um, so seeking about his his nature and his character? What is it that keeps him looking out? And is that, I think Pete Feeder said to me, he's always got his antenna up, hasn't he? His antenna is always up. So I guess without without sounding like a euphemism, what what keeps Paul Weller's antenna up? <laughs> you could ask him that. I will ask him that. That's a great question. <laughs> hey, look, this has been so lovely. You know, Andy Lewis, when he was on the podcast, said to me that Steve Pilgrim is a great singer-songwriter and he's a better singer-songwriter than he is a drummer. And he's a bloody great drummer. And that oh. is so true, man. Look, this new album des- deserves all the amazing reviews it's going to get and the very best of luck with it. And thanks so much for joining me, man. It's been an absolute pleasure, Dan. I wish you well on your quest to get Mr. Weller. <laughs> and I will ask him about getting his antenna up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan, all right. I'll see you soon. My thanks once again to Steve Pilgrim. Make sure you head to my website for the show notes to this podcast. All the links for the album on there. Beautiful Blue, Steve Pilgrim, released 2nd of September 2022. Paul Weller as producer, co-writer. It's Steve's fifth studio album and it's outstanding. Trust me on this one. Plus on the webpage, lots of videos and a special Pilgrim playlist of music that I've created as well. PaulWellerFanPodcast.com Now whilst you're there, do head to the store for exclusive podcast merchandise. You can show your support for the podcast by buying a virtual coffee too. And hello to people who have done that in the past week. Duncan Greenwood, hi to you. Hi to Ian Trainer, who says this podcast is a wonderful idea and it's done brilliantly. Oh, bless you, Ian. 
Alan Anderson. Great show, Dan. Brilliantly researched and a brilliant listen. Keep it up. Thank you, my friend. Tony C., the Well of Vinyl Man. Keep up the good work. Peace and love. Cheers, Tony. Sean Wilson. Cheers, Dan. 50 more podcasts I heard before you get the big one. Heard on good accounts in Brighton this week. Really? That's news to me. Is that happening? Is that guaranteed, Sean? You, have, you, have you spoken to Mr. Weller? What's happening? Hi to Duncan. I'd be lost without the Weller pods now, Dan. They've brought a different aspect to my Wellerism <laughs> since you've been doing them. Thanks, my friend. Oh, well, cheers, Duncan. Hi to Brian as well. Thank you for your coffee. And Alex McLaughlin, who says, see you in Brighton. Well, cheers, pal. Thank you for all your coffees. Head to the website, paulwellerfanpodcast.com. Cheers for your support. Appreciate it. Now, next on the podcast, from one drummer to another, we hear from the Jam's Rick Buckler, recorded in front of a live audience as part of the This Is The Modern World exhibition in Brighton. Consider it a part two to our episode 42 chat back in June last year. Wow, yeah, it really was over a year ago. Rick Buckler on the next episode of the podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, do share it on your social media channels, follow and leave a review as well. You can find me on social media at Weller Fan Pod on Twitter or on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Paul Weller Fan Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.